You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. Our mission is to reach people, release heaven, and restore culture, sharing in the love of Jesus and all we do. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on the gift of mystery. I don't know how many of you were here for that. How many of you are just curious? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to do, a, I think, a part two on that. I don't tell you I'm doing a series until it happens. Because <laughs> usually I'm like, we're going to do a series, and then it never happens. But I feel like the Lord was having us pick back up on this thought. And uh, last week, just to, just to give you some, some foundation, we talked about the gift of mystery. And how many of you know that one of the things that I had shared was that the Lord was showing me that actually the renewing of the mind happens in the waiting. I think we often think that our minds are renewed once we get through the waiting and we get the revelation of who he is, but I'm convinced more and more that it's actually in the waiting that the renewing happens. I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't so concerned about what we think as much as getting us to think. He can prove this because this is how he taught his disciples. He didn't, I, I think even, even in the church, I, I, I'm sure there's different types of ministries for different levels of believers, but um, I'm convinced that our, our approach with the with speaking in church and preaching messages is I want to have a really clear, concise, short, few points, this, blah, blah, blah. You're going to go out feeling great. Jesus spoke, and when people left, said, I didn't get it at all. <laughs> Jesus would not probably, I mean, he would shake so many people up because he would speak, and they say, I don't get it. And then he just let them figure it out. Why? Because he knew that so much happened in the process of not understanding. We're really caught up with wanting to understand everything. He's more caught up in getting you through the process of how to come into that place. He's not so worried about what we think as much as how to think. Amen? And I read, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go back into too much of it. I really don't have the time, but I read from Psalm 25. um, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Nope, yeah. Oh, God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let my enemies, let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those who be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you, O Lord, are my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. (laughs) How many of you love to wait? You can tell by that laugh. We really focused on waiting on the Lord. We focused on David. We focused on the journey of David being anointed. A lot of people don't know that David was anointed three times. How many of you have had a a word given over you, and every time the altars are open, anoint me again, baby. Like, let's get, you know, anyone like that? Come on, anoint me, anoint me, anoint me. And even David, it was interesting, he was anointed initially. He had, you know, (laughs) all this oil poured over him. And we talk about the the process of him being anointed, the prophet that came and anointed him. This is the same prophet that they said none of his words ever fell to the ground. This is like like a a major prophet. (laughs) He got anointed again somewhere along the way by Judah, which means praise. And And I talked about the importance of having an anointing of praise in the process. He was anointed again by the elders of Israel when he stepped into being king. Interesting thing is David said at that point, and he realized at that point he was called to be king. Don't feel bad. He didn't realize it until it was finally happening. It was the third time he was being anointed. He was being established as king, and then he realized that he perceived that God wanted him to be king. This should make you feel good. And so we talked about the process of waiting, but this morning I want to talk with you a little bit about when you're in a place that you're waiting, but you feel like you're completely in the dark. Has anyone ever felt like that? We're going we're gonna to get into that. Psalm, uh, it says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 7, it says that I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. Everybody say night season. This is an interesting passage. My heart instructs me in the night season. 
I want to talk to you about what it's like when you're waiting for something and when you're in a place that just feels like it's dark. Um, I, I've been through some pretty, pretty dark seasons before. I can go through my list, as can you. And I, I, uh, just, just bear with me as I kind of share a story. But we went through about three years of just real hard seasons. It was like bam, 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 bam from, from my wife's. Uh, father passing away to cancer, we, we had a, you know, 45-day window between finding out and he was gone. That was three years ago. That was kind of the initiation of just a journey of just uh, trauma after trauma after trauma from family uh, betrayals to friendship betrayals to staff betrayals, pain, trauma all over the place. And you get to the point or how many of you know you can, you know, it's not that your faith is lost, it's not that you don't trust God anymore, but you can get to a point where it feels so dark that you feel like you're almost laying in a room with the lights out and you can't see anything. Yeah. And you get, you know, I had gotten to this, this point in the journey where uh, it was actually last July, I believe, where it had gotten to the point it felt so dark. And I remember it was this night we were... <laughs> Felt like everything you could lose was being lost. We have these, we live out in the country, we have goats and we have a horse and chickens and all this stuff. And like all of our, I mean, everything from our animals started running away. Like it was like everything you could lose, you know, you're feeling like Job a little bit, you know. I'm like, oh Lord, anything else you want to take? Um, and I know it wasn't God. But you're in this place where everything's going. And I remember we were going to bed that night and it was, um, I was going to bed, and my daughter, one of my, one of my, my kids, uh, they began to, like, even see demonic things. Yeah, I, I remember they were seeing things outside in the spirit, and it was like I felt the atmosphere ticking up. Like, you know what I'm talking about. It was getting thick. And, you know, you get to this point where, like, you just, <laughs> you're just, like, asking the Lord for mercy. You don't know what else to ask. You know, you, you want to, you wanna, you've done everything, else. you've prayed with all the people you've prayed with, you've declared, you've, all the things, you've got the words in front of you, and you can get to the point where it feels so dark that you just begin to ask, ask the Lord, Lord, just please give me mercy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And this is a place of mystery that gets really hard. It's, it's one thing to be in mystery, and I still feel like things are kind of okay around me. <laughs> But it's another point when you get into the place of mystery where it feels like I can't see anything. I'm in this night season. And I want you to open your Bibles. I want to walk you through a scripture this morning, Luke chapter 18, that has ministered to me a lot throughout the years. But we'll just see what it speaks to you this morning because I think there's some things in it that will bless you. Luke chapter 18, as, as we flip there, um, verse uh, 35, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Now, in Luke, it doesn't tell you his name, but in Mark, it does. And so, Luke chapter 18, verse 35, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, speaking of Jesus, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Everybody say your faith. Yes. It's important to recognize. And immediately he received sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So stop there. Um, I want you to get the picture of this. Here's, here's blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the side of the road. This is, a, this is a trade route. We know that. It was a place where there was quite a bit of traffic. If he was a blind beggar, he was going to go somewhere that there was a lot of people passing by. And here he is. He's sitting on the side of the road. And I want you just to imagine with me, if you can, this morning, 
being that he's blind, he can feel the, the vibrations. He can feel something. He can hear things that you may not hear, right? And he senses whether he feels the trembling of the ground or he hears the crowd coming in the distance. Something sets off blind Bartimaeus to knowing who's coming my way. And he's waiting there. He's been in this place. Can you, can you imagine with him the people come and they say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Now, this is important for you to understand. Jesus is in the latter part of his ministry at this point. He's within the third year or so of he's been doing ministry. His signs, wonders, and miracles are, are well known at this point. Now, I want you to get into blind uh, into Bartimaeus' shoes for a moment. He's in a point where all of a sudden he hears the one that he knows does miracles is coming your way. Can you imagine, uh, can you imagine, can you make this passage real with me this morning? Can you imagine the hope, almost the, the shaking of probably what he's feeling? He's coming. He's coming. I think it would be good for us to be brought back at times to the understanding of even when you come into a worship service, you understand he's showing up. I think it's so easy to come in here and, and, and to drink our coffee and the band gets going. And, oh, so good to, so good to see you, you know. And we can lose that reality of he is showing up. Yes, he's always with me. Yes, and as a believer, he's always there. But there's something that happens in the corporate anointing that he shows up differently. And, and, and here's Bartimaeus. He's, he's been begging. He's been blind. And he, they say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming this way. What a moment. He's lived his whole life in the dark, not being able to see anything. But how many of you know that when you can't see anything, you can still listen? I'm going to say that again. When you can't see a thing, you can still listen. And blind Bartimaeus may not be able to see anything, but he could hear. And this is so important because we see this even with the, it reminds me of the passage that talks about that the spirit, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's the importance of recognizing that when someone speaks of what God is doing, it actually releases the ability for it to happen in your life. There are times, that's why it's important, oh, man, when you, things happen in your life, to write them down, because you will find yourself in a hard boat at some point again, and when you go back and you remember, you begin to, I, I, I grew up in church my whole life, I'm a pastor's kid, we used to do something like, it's kind of old school, I guess, now, but we used to do testimony services on Sunday nights that were so fun, because you, first of all, you never knew what would come out of people's mouth. Sometimes it wasn't even a testimony. You, they started talking, and you realize, we haven't got the testimony yet. We're working our way there. And, and, but there was such a, a I, I remember hearing stories. I'll never forget one gentleman came up here, and he, he was, um, uh, he's passed away now, but he came up here, and he gave his testimony. He had always been a guy that looked like he had achieved everything. Everyone loved him. He, he was just that guy. Everybody loved. He'd done well in life, and he got up here, and he began to testify and said, when I was in High school, he said they used to do this thing where they would make votes at the end of the um, senior year, who's the least likely to this. He said, I was voted least likely to succeed. His senior year, his senior class told him, you're, you're least likely to succeed. They would, and he spent his life trying. He was a, he was a pilot. He was successful. He was just, just an outgoing personality, all driven, though, by the desire to overcome being told as a kid, you won't succeed. And I'll never forget, I, 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 oh, my goodness, I watched him sit here and, and talk about how God set him free, that I am a son. I can't fail at that. And he, right here, he cried and cried and cried. He couldn't cry before that because that wouldn't look like a successful man. But he, did, he just weeped. He wept. He got set free. You see, it's in those moments that we get to hear these testimonies that even though it may feel like you can't see anything, you can hear what God is saying. And when you can hear what God is saying, he's inviting you into your own place that a testimony is coming soon. 
And here is Bartimaeus. He knows the history of Jesus. He knows the supernatural ministry of Jesus. And you need to understand something. The name Jesus of Nazareth was a very common term for Jesus. It was a cultural term. It was like, it wasn't personal. It's like John of Union County. Someone who knows me could say, oh, John, his parents are Mark and Sharon. He's married to Tiffany and he has children, Ethan, Mackenzie, and Adeline. That's, that's a term of recognizing. You know more of who I am. Jesus of Nazareth was a very broad term. And so what's interesting is that they come to him, and let's, let's just start working through this scripture. So they told him in verse 37, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. This is something a lot of people don't notice. I want you to catch this. So he cries out, Jesus, son of David. Notice how he didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. Do you understand that for a Jew to declare in this moment, Jesus, son of David, he was not just saying Jesus from this geographical location of Nazareth, Jesus, my Savior, have mercy on me. This is before the cross, obviously. This is a unique story because you're literally reading the account of basically a salvation experience on that side of the cross. He's calling on the name of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is powerful because he doesn't shout out some generic Jesus of, you know, of Nazareth. Jesus, my king, the deliverer. He was declaring publicly, you are the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And <laughs> it reminds me, it says in uh, Jesus in um, Mark chapter 10, verse 40, uh, it's the scripture that talks about receiving a righteous man and you receive righteousness. It's the same scripture that talks about if you see the prophet, you get the prophet's reward. It's interesting because here he is receiving Jesus as the healer. Because he knows if I receive you as my healer, I get healing. If I receive you as my savior, I am saved. This is such a cool picture of him receiving Jesus, knowing it will activate things in his life. And here he is. He, he shouts out, Jesus, uh, my savior. Now, I want you, let's, let's have some fun with this a little bit. You've got the Jesus parade coming, right? You've got a bunch of people. His ministry's booming. There are people all around him. They want what he has. They've seen what he has to offer. They feel good when they're around Jesus. Even if they're in sin, something about him makes them keep following him. And here comes the Jesus parade. And they're walking, and they're coming that way. And it says in the next verse, it says that there were those who went before and warned him that he should be quiet. I want you to notice this. Jesus and the parade and everyone there. And then there were some that were going ahead. That are, and here's Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, son of David. And you've got these guys, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, we want to keep order here. Don't you know Jesus is coming through? Can I tell you this? It's a dangerous place to get out in front of Jesus. You see, you were designed to either walk with Jesus or, or follow Jesus. People that get out in front of Jesus scare me. I see it all the time, people that feel called to things, people that feel this or that or this or that. What happens is, is you can get so far out in front of Jesus, you no longer know how Jesus is responding to things. And here is these people on the front, you can almost imagine them, you know, they, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I see them like, you know, the CIA when the president comes and they're like got their jackets and they're like protecting Jesus from, you know. All, all the people over here. Here's Bartimaeus like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is coming through. You see, they've gotten out in front of Jesus. You can actually get to the point where you go 
out in front of Jesus, and you get into a place that you were never meant to be. And so here they are, they're out there, and they come to Bartimaeus, and they hear him shouting, and they try to calm him down and quiet him down. So they're talking to him, right? And this is where it gets interesting, because Jesus, <laughs> he's, they try to quiet him down, and it says that even louder, Jesus, son of David. You can see these guys, whoa, I just told you to stop it. And they're trying to talk, and Jesus says, him, bring him to me. That's what we were doing. I'm going to bring him your way. <laughs> we can get into a place where we're no longer hearing Jesus when we actually think we're out there doing the work of God if we're not careful. Sounds an awful lot like a religious spirit. Bartimaeus is, <laughs> he's not going to bend his knee to what they're saying. And he just keeps shouting. This next portion to me, this scripture, I'm going somewhere with this. I really am. Because I believe there's so much we can learn of what to do in those night, those night seasons. The next part to me is so moving because it says, after he yelled, it said, Jesus stood still. Can you imagine someone whose ears are in tune to hearing the crowd moving and then the crowd stops? And Jesus stood still. Jesus was not so focused on getting to his destination. It wasn't, it's not like what we get caught up in. I'm going somewhere. I'm always going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Jesus says, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's actually about the person on the journey. And Jesus stopped. And then he begins to ask this amazing question because it's not really anything he doesn't know. But he asks him, he says, what do you want from me? This is interesting how the scripture reads this. He says, what do you want from me? Before that, it said that It, um, it said, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, what do you want from me? I want you to notice the two. Maybe you feel like I picked this apart too much, but this speaks to me. There's a difference between being brought and then you coming. Um. I believe, here, here's blind Bartimaeus, he's got his cloak that was in front of him, and, and he gets up, and Jesus says, bring him to me. So we know that they brought him at that point. At some point, they brought him. Here he is blind, he's being brought. But there comes a point that says that, and then he came to me. That's not the same thing. I, I believe with all my heart, there's a moment in this scripture where blind Bartimaeus, just like you, just like me, in those moments where it feels pitch black, it's just doing Jesus. Jesus. And he got near. And Jesus said, what do you want from me? I think it's interesting we can read right over those two little verbs, brought and he came. There was a portion of him having to come to Jesus. You see the picture? When he had come, when he had come to Jesus, <laughs> the parade has stopped. It's quiet. And here he is standing. We don't know how close, but standing right there with Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want? What do you want from me? I don't think Jesus was toying with him 
It was clear he was blind. Jesus knows he was wanting to be healed. Jesus is allowing space for Bartimaeus to make known his need. Interesting, Jesus says, then Jesus goes on and says to him, he says, it is your faith that has made you whole. Now, I sat here and I read this passage last night over and over and over and over because I kept comparing it in my mind to another passage that was bothering me because there's a story of Jesus on the boat with the disciples. Very similar story. If you guys remember this story, they put out, they're on the sea, a great storm arises, Jesus is sleeping in the bottom, they are crying out for mercy, Savior, wake up, we're all going to die. Jesus gets up, you remember the story? He comes up and he says, why little faith? Where's your faith? Now, wait a minute, here's blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, and he's coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, please have mercy on me, help me. And Jesus says, it's your faith that made you whole. And I'm sitting here, and I'm toying with these scriptures saying, Lord, I feel like I'm missing something. What is it that Bartimaeus can have a response of calling on Jesus, and he says, that's faith, versus the disciples who say, they're calling on Jesus, help us, we're going to sink, and you say, where's your faith? And I think that there's an interesting, by the way, I I don't think that Jesus, let me put this out there, I don't think it was a harsh rebuke when Jesus spoke to the disciples about, you know, know, where's your faith? I don't think it was like a, where's your faith, you know? I I really believe it was more like a father, where's your faith, guys? And I, I, I believe that we have so often become accustomed to, we think that calling on the name of Jesus is faith, but that's prayer. Calling on the name of Jesus, we need to do that, but that's you praying. And that didn't cut it with the boat when Jesus was asleep. And by the way, one thing I have shared before that God has shown me, it's so important to understand that I have learned that when you can sleep through something, you have authority over it. Have you ever noticed when something's really bothering you at night, you lay down and you can't sleep? That's a really good sign that you haven't come into authority over it yet. For me, that's something that highlights I need to deal with this in my life. And sometimes it takes weeks, months, where if I lay down and I am just kept awake and kept awake and kept awake, there will come a point where I say, this is not okay. You don't have this much authority in my life. And I have to step into a place of authority over it. But here is Jesus telling the disciples, listen, where's your faith, guys? But there's something interesting that's accounted for in Mark's gospel. This is why it's important when you're reading stories to read it from a few different angles. Because if, if I got my, let's see here, get my passages right. In Mark, maybe I didn't write it down right. It says when Bartimaeus, there's a, there's a detail that's covered here. When Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, He throws his robe, his cloak off. Now, this may not be a big deal to you because you may think it's like a jacket that is in his way. It was much more than that. You have to understand in this first century Palestine era that their cloaks were really expensive. Like for a blind beggar, it wasn't something you throw away in the middle of a crowd. And you have to understand what this cloak represented. This cloak wasn't just a, a jacket. It wasn't just something that represented... Um, you know, status or something like that. These cloaks were designed in a way they were thick. They were heavy. For a blind man, it was going to provide for him warmth in the cold. It was going to provide for him protection from weather. It was going to provide for him, most likely if he's sleeping, it would provide for him somewhat of a blanket at night. We know that when they would go out and they would beg, they would take these cloaks and they would sit down on the floor, and they would, they would lay their cloak in front of them, and people would throw money on their cloak. So here's blind Bartimaeus. He does something interesting. <laughs> he throws aside the item for him that represents everything from protection, safety, provision, all the things that we look for comfort in, 
He says, I'm going to throw that to the side, and I'm going to go after Jesus. Jesus then responds to him by saying, your faith made you whole. What is faith? What does Hebrews say faith is? It's, it's, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The best example I've given of this would be when you go to a restaurant and you're waiting for your meal and they give you the little pager, right? And they say, when your pager goes off, your food is ready. When you have that pager, that pager is something of substance that you, are, you know you're hoping for food. It's the evidence that it's still to come. So if someone comes up to you and says, you didn't order food, no, you don't understand. I've, I've got this little pager here. This is the substance of what I'm hoping for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Oh, okay. That's what faith is. Faith is that place where for Bartimaeus in this moment, faith was saying, everything that I'm lacking, the fear of this darkness he actually, when throwing that out, he leaned more into it. You see, when we get into that place of darkness, what's so natural for us is, why? Well, it's a really hard season. I at least don't want to lose the things that make me feel good. I mean, this is a dark place, and I, I sure don't want to give up this and that and this and that, because those are my, you know, we're telling ourselves, that's my safe place. You see, but Bartimaeus, it was in the moment of him throwing this cloak to the side and running to Jesus. You understand, like, when they brought him the picture of this, and he comes to Jesus, and he's, he's at some point, he's coming to Jesus, 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 can't see anything. I've been in those moments. I've had those seasons where it feels like just Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, it's the mystery where you know that you are in, I can't explain it other than you know you're in God's will, but it feels really bad. <laughs> I know I listen to you, Lord, but about all I can say right now is Jesus. And it's in those places that I want to say, Lord, I, there's so much, <laughs> there's things that give me comfort. You see, though, but it's when you actually lean away from those things that you say, yes, this is comforting to me, but I'm going to throw that aside because I know if I can get to him, he'll heal me. That was the faith act. The faith was when he said, it wasn't just calling on the name of Jesus. The disciples called on the name of Jesus, and he said, where's your faith? It's the moments where you say, I don't know why I'm supposed to, I, <laughs> we already have, uh, we have no money. And God says, give your last $75 to the person up front. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> That's the only 75 bucks I got. <sighs> so he's calling you into more of a place of trust in him. Oh, God, you don't understand, like, uh, you know, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> You're at a restaurant, you see somebody says, pay for their food. You understand, I barely have enough to pay for my food. The room is so quiet this morning. Just make some people feel in the dark. Darkness doesn't bother me. I don't look for it. But I know he's always there. People talk about our country's in such a dark place. Yeah, but where it's dark, light shines all the more. Stop focusing on the darkness. Yeah, yeah, there's dark things happening. But it just makes my light shine brighter. It was when he came to him and says, I'm going to throw aside my, what I know will provide for me. What I know will keep me warm. What I know shield me. I'll toss that aside. I know you're going to, I know you're there for me. And that was the faith. 
Some of you have been calling on the name of Jesus, and I'm going to tell you something crazy. Lean in even more to the things that you're scared to death of. I'm calling on Jesus to help me. I don't want more of it. You may be surprised what happens there. You still with me? See, we, we live on the other side of the cross, and it's so unique for us because we don't have to hope Jesus will pass by. Every morning you wake up, his mercies are new. I don't have to wake up and hope. I don't have to come to church and hope he shows up today. You see, I, I get into a place where I, I often will come up here and I'll grab the microphone because I feel an unction during worship to, to share something for people. But the reality is, is whether or not people get it or receive it, I get to go back over here and I get it. <laughs> I, I, I got up and said something this morning and one of my team members said, I don't know that everyone got it. I'm like, I don't know, but I got it. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> I, 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 there's an invitation. It's not a forcing into anything. And there's always an invitation. When we come in here, there's an invitation every Sunday morning to experience the king of glory. There's an invitation like with Bartimaeus. Like, I don't think we understand what it would have been like for him to hear the crowd, the, the rumbling of the ground coming. And they say, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus Jesus of Nazareth, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You get to come in this place, and whatever the need is, the pain, whatever it is, not only do you get to receive it for yourself, you're a carrier. People should get to the point where they begin to realize, hey, John's coming over to this. Oh, man, every time he comes, it just feels good. Or, or not me, Jordan, every time Jordan comes to these things, do you just notice how good it feels? You get to start being the carrier. It's not about you. It's about what you carry. And, and if we don't get this, the world around us is waiting for what we're carrying. Oh, man, I was at a checkout at a place a couple days ago. Um, the this, this shopping, I don't even know what it's called. I can't stand it. But um, <laughs> Tiffany drug me there. Um, that, Anyways, um, Ollie's, yeah, that place, yeah, feels like, I just walk in and feel like someone just threw up merchandise everywhere, and I'm just like, oh, I need things in order, that's my, Tiffany's like, I will find the gold in all this, I'm like, you find it, I'll buy it, <laughs> and we're checking out, and there's a gentleman at the, at the counter, and I could tell he's just, it just felt overwhelmed, you know, it was like at, post-Thanksgiving, everyone's returning things they didn't use for their meal or whatever. And he's feeling overwhelmed. And the lady in front of me pulls out a card. I'm not bashing her, but she pulls out an evangelism card that basically, if you die today, where will you go? Lays it down, checks out, and leaves. So I got to be on the backside to see his reaction. And it wasn't, it was sad because he just kind of looked at it. And he set it to the side and kept working. And I thought, what? I don't see Jesus doing that. And so I came up to him. I said, how are you doing today? He said, oh, I'm doing all right. It's just, someone had just broken a piece of merchandise. Two people in front of me cleaned that up. And I just, I just, I just began to smear him with just, just the love of God. I, I, I didn't need to do it. Well, if, if you walk out and get hit by a car on Highway 74, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Most people already know they're probably, if they're not going to heaven, they know they're going to hell. They don't need you to point that out. They need you to tell them something better. The, the blood speaks a better word. And, and they need someone to speak something better, not worse. And so I, you know, I had the opportunity of saying, listen, I, you're just doing such a great job, man. And you know what? I get to be then the one that there's the Bartimaeus sitting on the side. I get to walk up. Over and over it will happen. I, I can tell you stories. I've told this before. We went to a restaurant over in the Sun Valley area one time. And I was like, me and Tiffany were the only people in the foyer, and this is the truth. I walk in, and this girl is looking at me, and she's doing her work. And then she starts doing this with her foot. And I'm like, kind of weird. And then she kept doing it. I'm like, is this, what are you doing? And she looks at me, and she says, this is going to sound crazy. She said, I have been in so much pain for so long in my leg. 
She said, I don't know what happened, but the moment you walked in, it stopped. And then she gave us cheesecake. And so <laughs> the Lord is in this story, folks. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. I remember the spiritual things. So it is like, and then cheesecake. <laughs> I don't like cheesecake. So, but uh, she, did you feel that in the room? It was like, oh my gosh. I wish I'd known that before I chose you as my pastor. You don't like cheesecake, do you? Honey, we're going to find a new church. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> things happen. You get to be the one that comes along. This is one of the things that God is inviting this house into. All believers are invited into this. But there is an invitation in this moment right now for you just to be the one that the Bartimaeuses are waiting on. Jesus, Jesus, I love it. Jesus just stopped and stood still. Some of you just need to stop. My goodness, during the holidays, stand still. Well, I got to do, 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 do. Jesus had like a whole planet to save. But he stopped for Bartimaeus. Why? Because he was a part of the whole thing. And he says, what do you need from me? He was making space for Bartimaeus to be able to communicate his reliance upon Jesus. Just like you when we have a salvation experience. What? I call on the name of Jesus. I declare that he is the savior of my life and I need you. That literally just happened in this passage. For some of you in that season that feels dark, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you. All of your cloaks are different. <laughs> some of you, your cloak is money. I could feel it when the offering plate goes by because you don't want to put your cloak in. Some people, it's certainty. If I say a scripture and you don't think that it's uh, not what I think. I, your cloaks are all different things throughout the room. Everyone's got their own cloak that represents something. And in seasons, it brings you comfort. I've got my cloak. I'm challenging you if you feel like you're in that season that's dark where you just you get in those moments where it's just you. I'm talking when you're alone and you feel like I feel in the darkest place. I'm challenging you to put your take off your cloak. Humble yourself before the Lord and come to him in that moment just like Bartimaeus and say, Jesus, I think it's okay to Maybe some of you would challenge me on this theologically. Go for it. But you get in a dark enough place, theological battles don't really matter anymore. Because I'm more interested in seeing his ways than knowing about him. Jesus, have mercy. And he will show up. But it may take you taking your cloak and saying, here I am. Here I am. Oh, it could be so many different things. Some of you, it's your, your cloak is your giftings. You hide behind that cloak because you're a brilliant communicator. And someone asks you, and you can, with a smile, talk your way out of anything. Take that cloak off. And just say, Jesus. And it doesn't have to be, like, I'm not making a joke out of this. It's between you and Jesus. It doesn't need to be done on social media. Between you and Jesus. Jesus, I'm laying it all down. I need to get out of this darkness. And watch him show up. Watch him show up. I didn't finish my story. In July, I've shared it. If you've been here long enough, you've heard it. When we went through that season, we came to the three-year mark. And I'll never forget that night when Jesus showed up. I knew he was there, but I mean when he showed up. You know the difference? You know Jesus is there, but then Jesus shows up. I knew he was there. I could come week after week, and the worship services were beautiful. I could preach. He was so gracious. 
but then I would feel so worn down. And I remember the night that I went in my bedroom, and Tiffany was like half asleep. <laughs> and I just, I was like praying, like, Lord, just have mercy. I'm so tired. And I felt, I can't explain it, I felt something come in the room that like supercharged me. <laughs> Tiffany saw it, because she's like, he went from this, she's like, that was the weirdest prayer ever. It went like, wah! Like you went from like worn down to like, commanding things to change to peace came and it was over I mean it was over my, my, my clarity came back my, my vision came back my things that felt so lacking they were all restored in the darkest season when you can just sometimes say Jesus Jesus that's all you gotta say Lord right now I'm gonna, I don't know why I feel something on this. I'm going to stop there. I feel, Lord, so many people in this room that are in this place of just mystery with you, but it's, it's transpired into maybe even a place that just feels like complete darkness. And I, first of all, I speak to the voice of condemnation that's telling you that you messed up. Oh, that's the religious spirit will come so often with that first of accusations. I silence that voice. I silence that voice over you. And if you have messed up, there's mercy and grace for you. But Lord, I speak over everyone in this room. It doesn't matter what status, what place of life you're in, what status of walk you're in. We all hit dark seasons. And I feel the Lord giving an invitation. I feel him in this room like with Bartimaeus passing by. And I feel him. I felt it in worship. He stood still. And I can just feel the Father saying, what do you need? What do you need? I'm speaking on his behalf. What do you need? What do you need? Somebody just said, I just need the pain to stop. Take, don't throw that cloak off. Whatever it is that you're holding on to that feels like a comfort, I actually challenge you just to, even a prophetic act, I just take that off. Thank you, God. Thank you, that God. What is it you need? Some of you, it's a marriage. You just said, if you just save my spouse. Save my child. Whatever it is, he's here. And he's standing still. Save my parent. Some of you, there's sickness, there's disease. I challenge you, it's the scariest thing in the world to lean in farther to uncertainty let go of things that you're finding safety in so you can fully grab onto him. Thank you, Lord. We started off with this question, who am I? <laughs> Easy. You're a child of God. You look just like him. Lord, in those seasons of darkness, fear shows up. And I ask that you would reveal yourself. I can once again reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Somebody in this room, uh, you're believing the Lord for a healing in yourself or in a family member. Lord, show them that you are the healer. I ask that right now. I ask that right now. stand up. I know this is a tender subject. You guys got two weeks in a row from me and David. 
But I think the Lord's just trying to mature his kids. There you go. Music will make you feel better. <laughs> I, I know there's probably a prayer team here this morning, so if you're on the prayer team, if you come up here, I think there's going to be some people that want agreement this morning. One of the most powerful things in that season is just for, to have agreement. And can I say this even to the prayer team? And to, We often are looking for answers. Remember last week I said during worship, I said something came out of my mouth. I said, some of you want to, what, how do I say it? Some of you want to, um, I think, see, hear something, and God wants you to feel something, is what I said. Some of you want to hear something, but God wants you to feel something. I don't know how I got a highlighter in my hand. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> Lord, if you're going to let something land in my hand, the highlighter is not what I would have chose. I feel like often in, this, in the dark seasons, we want someone to tell us what would make us feel better. If someone will just give me the right prophetic word, I'm going to leave this church. Great. When sometimes it's actually in that place of you learning how to feel what God, what's happening that God is trying to bring you to. Yeah, I mean, that would be a quiet amen. Because we all want to... <laughs> We all want to get out of it with a word. <laughs> give me a word. I'll give you a word. Sometimes it's wait, endure. God is doing something in you. I bless 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 you that even what feels like the darkest season, that his, as the word says, that his face would shine upon you. <laughs> as you let go of that, that cloak of whatever it might be that brings you safety. I pray that you would, in that place of weakness, find God like you have never found him before. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.